Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute. It's great to spend a few moments with you. Hopefully these moments will cause you to think. Think about God, the scriptures, what God is saying, the truth that is available to us. I have no desire to argue with anybody. I really want to just present the truth as I see it in the scriptures and as others have seen it that I have read and been inspired by. Hopefully giving you a moment of calm at the end of your day where you can just unplug from the craziness of continual arguments and propaganda that's so easily to fall in the traps of. I was thinking of how many hymns we've had in our church through the many years and how valuable they are as far as understanding who God is and the heart and the mind of those who who loved God. So tonight I'm going to spend time reading some of the old hymns, not singing them. I'll spare you that. But I am going to read some of the words from various hymns of the faith. I'll also be mixing in some scripture with that that goes with the hymn itself. First scripture I'd like to go to is Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assembled, they came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic, they took flight. Trembling took a hold of them there, anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. Selah. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Number her towers. Consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will guide us forever. There are many verses in the Bible that speak of God's greatness. Jeremiah 10.6, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name and might. First Chronicles 16.25, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. Psalm 96.4, for great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods. First Chronicles 29.11 Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, indeed everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord. You exalt yourself as head over all. Nehemiah 1.5 
I said, I beseech you, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Isaiah 12.6 Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Ezekiel 36.23 I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. Joshua 7, 9 For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? 1 Samuel 12:22 For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. 2 Chronicles 6:32 And also concerning the foreigner who is not from your people Israel when he comes from a far country for your great name's sake and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when they come and pray towards this house. Psalm 47, 2. For the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. 47, 7. For God is king of all the earth. Sing praises with skillful psalm. 48, 2. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Malachi 1.14 But cursed be the swindler who has male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. Matthew 5.35 Or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 1 Timothy 6.15 Which he will bring about at the proper time. He was blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalm 136.4 To him alone does great wonders for his loving kindness is everlasting. Isaiah 55.9 For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Luke one forty nine, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and his holy name. Ephesians three twenty, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Deuteronomy nine twenty nine, yet they are your people, even your inheritance, whom you have brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. So many verses in the Bible that talk about the greatness of God. As I read these verses, I keep thinking about those who wrote the words. Oh, I know they wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the word holy is an amazing word. It really, the only word in English I can come close to with it is unique. And God is unique, unique, unique. And as I follow him, I'm unique. 
If I'm unique, I get to express the uniqueness that God has placed in my heart. And all the way through the Bible, we're told that we are unique. We're a different part of the body. We respond differently. The thing that we're the same at is responding to the nerve or to the brain, which is God. All those verses on how great God is, I can't help but think of the hymn, How Great Thou Art, and go back to Psalm 48.1, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. The hymn, How Great Thou Art. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander, and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, and when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. What is it that makes your soul sing? As I read this, the author, as I read this hymn, the author, Stuart K. Hine, was talking about what made his soul sing. I think you and I were meant to go outside and enjoy the beauties that God has created and allow our souls to sing. I think I have yet to see a sunrise where I haven't thought about the majesty of God, the power of God, the privilege it is to be one of his children. There's something about what God does in nature that causes us to look to him. I remember once I was in the woods taking high school kids for a week on horseback in the Nicolay National Forest. And as we were out there, I kept looking for how I could see God in nature. And as I was doing that, I found myself continually looking at various plants and trees. And eventually I was looking up into the sky. I noticed that the trees that were alive were pointing to the sky. They were pointing to God. And all of the branches were either up in a way that they were acknowledging their dependence on God, or they were bowing. The ones that were dead, well, they were cracked and falling off and rotting into the soil, but the ones that were alive seemed to be pointing and shouting to God. How great thou art. 
What makes your soul sing to God? And if your soul hasn't sung to God, then I don't think you're thinking about who he is the way you should. I don't think you're engaged in what you should be engaged in. Eugene Thomas actually wrote the last stanza that said, When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great thou art. Do you look forward to that day? Because it will come. It may come as a surprise. It may come slowly from some disease that will grip you. But it will come. And those who know God and love him, whose soul during this life has sung out in rejoicing in the fact that God's power, his love, is geared towards us. He wants us. He doesn't need us. He wants us to enjoy what he has done because of his love for us. And he sent his only son to this earth to make sure that we could be in his family, that our sins could be paid for. How great thou art. My soul sings. I hope your soul is singing tonight. So many of the hymns that praise God and and talk about souls singing to God seem to mention the idea of the God of creation, seeing the wonders that we see in creation. I hope you haven't allowed science to rob you of the joy of creation. This universe that you and I are part of was created by God. He knows all the stars by name. He knows your name. He knows my name. And we are creations of God Almighty. He loves us and wants us to walk with him. That is an amazing thing that we can rejoice in tonight. The great stability that comes in life does not come from this life. It comes from the next. It comes from knowing and walking with God. The old hymn writers often mentioned the idea of creation. Some in the scriptures were put through quite a interesting time to get to the point where they acknowledged who God was and his power and his love for them and his plan. King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel is one of those. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 37, it says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I read that verse before I look at the words from the hymn, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to his temple draw near. Join me in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord, who over all things so wonderfully reigneth, shelters thee under his wings, yes, so gently sustaineth. Hast thou not seen how all thy longings have been granted in what he ordaineth? Verse 3. Praise to the Lord, who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do, if with his love we befriend thee. The last verse. 
Praise to the Lord. O let all that is in me adore him. All that hath life and breath come now with praises before him. Let the Amen sound from his people again. Gladly for I we adore him. Do you adore God? I wonder, could you sit and write a hymn? You say, well, that's not my gift. No, it's not mine either. And I'm not sure I would sit and write a hymn that anybody would sing. But what is it that your soul is singing about? Have you walked with God in a way where he's so precious to you that your love for him just pours out of you? I want to encourage you to spend more time with God than any other person or any other activity in this earth. Allow his ways to permeate your thoughts and your mind. And as you're with people, just be who you are. Be the one that God loves and do it in public. Demonstrate his love by the way you live, by the way you act with other people. Show the love of God. Be excited about it. Sometimes in this world in which we live, it seems hard to be excited about the fact that God loves us. Because if you mention anything like that, you seem to get in an argument with agnostics or atheists or Satan worshipers or Buddhists or, or monks or whoever. And what before you know it, you just get frustrated. We need to live in the context of what God's love actually means to each of us. Regardless of what others say and regardless of what they want to do to us, we need to live in the context of being loved by God Almighty. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. And indeed, God is the King of salvation and creation and anything else that's good. I teach theology for Nicolay Bible Institute here on the campus of Silver Birch Ranch. And in that, I have picked out hymns from time to time and asked the students to memorize them. I wouldn't put hymns on equal par with Scripture. I would never do that. But there are some hymns that say things that you and I should be able to hear and ponder and think about. One of the great theological hymns of all time is, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. In Psalm 46, 7, it says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Listen to those words, the Lord Almighty. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What does the authors that God used in the scripture, I know God through his spirit is the author, but what are the people saying about God that really knew him and expressed things about him? Why do we need to have a fortress? Why do we need to be able to have a shelter? Because you and I are hated by the evil one. The evil one would like to destroy us. There's no doubt about it. We're the one that God loves. And the evil one from early in history has tried to mess up the idea that you and I are loved by the Almighty. Because Satan is jealous. He's angry. And the only way that he can get to God is by getting you and I to ignore who God is. When you think about that, you think about, my goodness, God's love is so powerful towards me. And he gives me a real choice where I can listen to him or not listen to him. And if I choose not to listen to God, that's a victory for the evil one because God loves me so much.
Well, I can understand that. I have children. My children are older now. They're getting to be middle-aged. But I love them very much. And when something happens to them, it bothers me. When they make poor decisions or they choose to do something that will harm themselves or even potentially harm themselves, I'm concerned and I'm bothered. Why? Because they're my children and I love them. Well, my friend, God loves you too. And he loves you in a way that you can't even imagine. And the only way that Satan could ever bother God if he could be bothered would be by getting you to ignore God. Now, whether you and I like it or not, there's a war going on around us. It's a spiritual war. The stakes are high. If you go and read the book of Job, and I've done some night times on Job, but if you go and read it, you see that one of the very first points of one of the oldest books in the Bible is the fact that there's a war going on between God and Satan. When God asks Satan what he's doing, he's roaming to and fro on the earth. And God has to point out Job to him because Satan's ignoring Job because Job was one who did things right. Satan isn't really wanting to notice people doing things right. He wants to find those who are doing things wrong and accuse us before God. So he ignored Job. Now Job, the one who was doing things right, the one that God held up as an example, life became pretty rough for him. And if you look at the story of Job, you see the thing that Satan went after the most was the very concept of love. He basically told God, of course Job doesn't curse you because you give him stuff. And he thinks you love him because you give him stuff. He's got kids he cares about and they're good kids and he's got plenty of money and plenty of food. But you take all that stuff away and you see him curse you to your face. The interesting thing is, is that love is not a conditional thing. Love is something we choose to do regardless of what we get back from it. And Job knew that and God knew that. And the battle was on. Now, the battle is no different today. Satan still hates those who God loves. He still is the accuser. He still wants to destroy us. Listen to a mighty fortress is our God. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Doth ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath is his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure, 
one little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Amen. That song is a classic song written by Martin Luther. And it's important that you and I get to the point where we understand the greatness and the fortress that God is because Satan will attack those who God loves and who are loving God in return or obeying God. Working at trying to get us to change definitions, the definition of love, the definition of blessed. We have to be careful because we could do that so easily. This psalm is based on Psalm 46. So I'll read that to you. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam through the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come. Behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Verse 10 again. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is God. No matter what you think about him, he's already God. He's already almighty. He's the one that is the creator and sustainer of all life. Those who live apart from what's reality will be totally disturbed in this life and surprised and angered in the next because they have ignored the very things in life that are so obvious. It is obvious that there is a God and that Dave Wager certainly is not him. It's obvious that there's a creation that has purpose and meaning. It's obvious to me that people are created individually by God, crafted in their mother's wombs. Think of all that's going on in the world today and in the nation in which we live. We keep minimizing the idea of a creator. We move more toward the book of Judges every day, where we're trying to do what's right in our own eyes rather than doing what's right in God's eyes. In reality, I can't say doing what's right in God's eyes because God doesn't have perspective like you and I do. 
I can do what's right according to my understanding of life. I can do what's right in my own eyes, but am I doing what's right is the question. Those who know God and walk with God and are obedient to God, well, they'll do right. Not because of their perspective, but because they're obedient to God. I don't always understand the things God wants me to do. But God doesn't ask me to be able to understand everything. Just like Job in the Old Testament, there are times where I need to trust who God is, not understand who God is. If it came to my understanding, then I would have to place myself on the same plane as God. I would need to have the same mind and ability to comprehend things as God, and that's not true. Well, once again, I do thank you for spending some of your time with me, reading some old hymns and enjoying those hymns for what the authors saw both in the scriptures and from their hearts. Getting an old hymn book might be an easy thing to do or looking things up online where you can just read the words and think about what these authors have said. I often think about how did they get to that point in their life where they saw that where their soul sang. I want to be at that point too. Once again, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Be still and know that God is God. Get away from your normal busyness and spend time in quiet before God. You won't regret spending time with God. Good night for now.